Let's get this done. Good morning, new creation. It is a beautiful morning. It is another day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. How many of you know God has been good? In spite of everything that's going on all around us, my beloved, he's been good to each and every one of us. He woke us up this morning, another day. And so let's give God some thanks. Let's give him some praise because he's an amazing God. Yes, my God is an amazing God. It is so good to be back with you, New Creation Outreach Ministries. I just look forward each and every week to fellowship with you through the Word of God. We had an amazing Sunday school this morning, and now as we shift into this teaching, shift into the hour of worship, we've had some worship through our dance ministry, our arts, and they do a wonderful job. And here we are now again, all gathered together again, tuning in, listening in to the Word, New Creation. And my beloved family, it's hard not to bring up these very different times and unprecedented times we're living in, I keep calling them perilous because the Bible says they're perilous. The Bible warns us about perilous times coming that we would face in what we are certain to have these last days. However, my beloved, I must admit to you, these are times I didn't really, I took for granted that we would see them, my beloved. These, this, the pestilence that we're dealing with, with this virus, racism, economic disaster, weather disasters, rumors of war, and the church being divided and filled with, uh, with the members waxing cold. All of these are things that my beloved God told us would be, and here we are in the midst of them all, and I just, maybe I took for granted. I must be honest with you. I must confess, but anyway, church, God has warned us that these times would be, and, but he also warned us and told us, Mama Pat, that we, would need, we could be of good cheer because he has overcome these times on our behalf. Amen. And so, my beloved family, ours is to trust and continue to believe and know that his eye is on the sparrow. I know we have to know he's watching over us all. Amen. And so to our first time guests with us, welcome to New Creation Outreach Ministries. We are a teaching and equipping church, and we're glad that you're visiting with us this morning. To our foreign mission family in Thailand, Pastor Sonthorn in Thailand, and our digital network community tuning in with us from various places around the, nat the nation and cities, welcome back to New Creation Outreach Ministries. To those, again, of you who are with us for the first time, we are nearing a completion of our family series here, our family series, and here it is up here right before us, Bible Crosswords, Marriage on Purpose, and Living in Single on Purpose. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this blessed day. We thank you, Lord, that no matter what is happening all around us, Father, our eyes are on you and your eyes are on us. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He's watching over me. He's watching me, over me. And so, Father, we just declare, Lord, your hand. We declare your grace. We declare your mercy. We declare your power and authority over this virus and over every evil that is going on around our world today. Thank you, Lord, again for the privileges, for the privilege to pray, for the privilege to bring the word before your people. Use me now above and beyond that which I am have prepared. And Father, I'm going to, at the end of it all, you're going to be glorified. It's in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. And again, my beloved family, 
We are, again, to those who are with us for the first time, we've been going through our family series that we teach every couple of years, our family series. Uh, and this particular one, again, is entitled uh, Bible Crosswords, Marriage on Purpose, Living uh, and with, with Our Marriage, and then with our singles, it was Living Single on Purpose. And let's look here real quick. We started out with the singles, and we covered all these teachings. All this stuff is online. You can go and listen to every one of them. And then we, we moved into the marriage portion, which is where we are now, and we're dealing with all of these issues here that you see before us. And my beloved, these are the teachings that we started with in the marriage portion that we're in now. We started with Nabal and Abigail, and we looked at what a stage marriage looks like. Then we moved into when stocks go down and fluctuate, there's a profit margin after deductions. Then we spent three weeks, closed out last week, with our sexual intimacy portion of this series with Between the Sheets 1, 2, and 3. And today we're moving into, as we're getting close to the end of this teaching series, the worst death divorce. And so, my beloved, as we get going, one of the things that I want to share with you uh, and want to bring to everybody's attention, uh, we are, my beloved, what I believe uh, this election that's coming uh, is going to be the most important in our lifetime. I just wanted to pause because uh, I was prompted uh, to, to, to think about this and to consider <clears throat> that this is, Dre, going to be the most important election in our lifetime that we're going to see over the next 65 days. <clears throat> and so, my beloved, I was prompted, you know, I was, we're going to be going into a new series, but what I am going to do over the, for two weeks, probably two weeks, I'm going to take us into a series that I taught two, eight years ago and called, entitled, In Whom Do We Trust, Capitol Hill or Zion's Hill? And my beloved, I'm going to teach, uh, as we get ready to move into that time of the uh, election, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks dealing with the body of Christ and government because, my beloved, you, you and I, this particular election, we're going to have to make sure that we have an understanding of our responsibility as it relates to government, as it relates to decisions and choices that we have to make. We're just going to simply use the Word of God. So, my beloved, look for that. Uh, we're going to spend probably two weeks so that I'm not going to take us through the whole series, but I am going to pick out a few things because I think think it's important for us to make sure that when election comes that we are voting and making decisions according to the word of God and knowledge. Somebody say amen to that. And so my beloved, again, last week when we were with you, we closed out the third segment of the sexual intimacy portion of the series with pillow talk, and we were dealing with intruders. Now, I would say to you, I'm not going to go through any of that review because all you have to do is go on our website, and you can go and listen to the series, listen to the sermon, and all the notes and slides are there. And so my beloved, I just want to encourage you to do that. But this morning, my beloved, we are shifting the focus of this series to the next to last teaching in the series with another subject and topic, John and Jackie, that I believe the church has again been negligent. Negligent when it comes to teaching and equipping God's people on the subject that of divorce. That of divorce. And my beloved family, the Holy Spirit gave uh, me a subject uh, entitled for this teaching, The Worst Death, Divorce. And so, my beloved, as we get going, we're going to be dealing with the worst death, divorce. And how many of you know that the marriage success, marriage success rate in and out of the church, uh, what that looks like? Look up here. 
the marriage success rate in and out of the church, my beloved, is very low. Look up here. Look at all those represent uh, divorces. We have one there. The, so the percentage is really, really low, my beloved. Uh, and I want us to make sure we understand that. Yul and Sonia, the marriage success rate leaves what is a pitiful testimony today. But I want you to take note of this video. I want you to take note of this portrait of this video. And then we're going to come back to this particular uh, 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 slide. But let's think about it. Let's look at this video with regard to how we view marriage and the preparation and all that we put into marriage. Over the past six years, you have filled me in ways that are hard to put into words. You have made uh. me laugh harder, smile brighter, and find the space to be myself. You have inspired me and believed in me. You mm. brought me peace in my darkest moments. You love big and unapologetically. You have shown me compassion and Let's allowed me to experience a, a love selfless and true that brings me a constant comfort. Yes. There's a fire in you that has always made you go after what you want. Thank you for wanting. Holy matrimony. Look here. Look here. There's a lot of energy. First There's of all, a lot I want to thank you for loving me so well um, for the last six years. Hmm. You have a love that is like no other that always brings me a sense of security. So beautiful. You are my home, Gabriella. <laughs> now this day, I made a choice. I choose to give myself to you, hmm. my best friend, my love, my protector, my rock, and my home. Marriage. I promise to inspire Marriage. and encourage you, to allow you to be heard and feel secure, to be honest and faithfully yours, to dream with you, to pray with you, to love you fiercely and wholeheartedly. Look how beautiful they are. I love you forever. What a joyful, beautiful day. What a joyful, beautiful testimony, my beloved. This is marriage. This is holy marriage. Some of you are is taking you back to your day. It's taking you back to your wedding day. How wonderful and how beautiful it was. Yes, yes, yes. Family, all together. Very emotional time. When ultimately a man and wife come together, a woman come together. I don't think I could be prouder of Gabriella mm. and Dijon in this moment. Mm. So I'm grateful for who he is. I'm My extremely Lord. grateful for who she has been. Beautiful. Gabriella has has always shown me has always shown me what it means to have unconditional love and respect. <laughs> I have been able to watch the relationship grow over the past six years. Is anybody and reminiscing? As much you back. love and respect she shows me, he shows her more every single day. It's a very emotional day. The energy, the attention, the mindfulness leading up to the day we say I do. So this family is like family to me. So I'm honored to be here today. Dijon and Gabriella, 
your marriage is intended to join you for a life in a relationship so intimate, a life. so personal, that it will change your whole being. Mm-hmm. My beloved, as we looked here at this video, Husbands and Wives, the video is a portrait of how most marriages began, how they start. Some of you, as you watched, it took you back to your day. The energy, the resources, the emotions, the mindfulness uh, that we place or uh, that is placed on the wedding day and how beautiful it is. But Mama CJ and Rose, sadly, I'm going to say to you, that video is not a depiction of the statistics of marriages after the wedding day, six months, 15 months, two years, or five years. Singles, listen to me, since the 1900s, the divorce rate has increased by over 700%. Jamal and Brianna, what happens to the success in marriage? Look at this slide again. The marriage success rate in and outside of the church is very, very low, my beloved. And so husbands and wives, singles, looking forward to the day that you will marry someday, What's happening in every corner of the world, my beloved, regarding marriage? I'll tell you what's happening. The worst death is occurring, that of divorce. Those beautiful grooms and bride, that beautiful groom and bride, my beloved, there are grooms and brides all over our world abandoning marriage. And Keith and Dorothy, the worst death is happening. Listen to me now. Listen to this statistic. The worst death is happening every 13 seconds there's a divorce in America alone. Every 13 seconds there is a divorce, my beloved, in America alone. And so New Creation, I believe this teaching will be the most important of all, in, of all the teachings in this series. Husbands and wives, singles, parents with teens. Children, I'm going to ask you again, as I've been asking you each and every week, the call is for everyone to pay attention and take notes today to what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. Because I will tell you again, my beloved, I believe this teaching is going to be the most important of all of them. You need, we all need to pay attention today because, listen to me, listen to me, all the clouds, all the clouds of, the clouds of witnesses in heaven are crying out for the church, the body of Christ, to get it, that there needs to be a ceasing of divorces, especially in the house of God. And that, my beloved, brings us to now, let's get into our uh, roadmap for learning and discovery today, today's teaching outline. This is our uh, outline. We're looking at the worst death, and we're going to see that God, God has a, had a plan and has a plan for marriage. It is till death do us part. And my beloved, we're going to look at Christ and his bride, and there needs to be some commitment to the wedding vows. Then we're going to trace your footsteps, trace the footsteps, and we're going to be looking at the agents 
to death and divorce, agents that lead us, footsteps that lead us to death and divorce. And then there's going to be some things that we need to understand uh, as it relates to these agents, starting, number one, with childish behavior. We need to stop acting. Somebody needs to stop acting and reacting and grow up. And we're talking about spiritual maturity there. And then we're going to move into uh, the second agent, which that is of bitter root. A lot of people are are getting divorced today because they are growing trees that have a root of a bitter root. And we're going to look at that. Then we're going to close it out with there is a love that is stronger than death, and that is God's love, the power of love. And so, my beloved, as we get going, let's look at our learning objective today. Listen, listen, watch this. Look up here, husbands and wives. We live in a time and culture of disposable marriage. We live in a time, my beloved, when it's okay to play musical marriages. But what no one tells you, divorce is a type of death. Look up here. It's a type of death. What kind of death, Pastor? Divorce is a type of death of a family. It's the death of a covenant and trust. Divorce, my beloved, is the death of the testimony of Christ and his church. And finally, it says, husbands and wives, while divorce is not an unpardonable sin, It is a woeful death. This is our learning objective. What's our PowerPoint wisdom key today? Look up here, husbands and wives. It's easy to love what's easy to love. Except Jesus said there is no blessing in loving what's easy to love. Marriage is a commitment to vows during the seasons of four worse, the seasons of sickness and sadness, the seasons of poor dryness and want, And look up here, everybody wants the pleasure of marriage without the pain in marriage. Everybody, Dre, wants the pleasure of marriage, but nobody wants to deal with the four worst time, the pain in marriage. And look what it says here. The wedding vows, they are declarations really about joy and pain. Luke 6, 32 says it. Jesus said, if you love only the easy to love, Why should you receive a blessing and grace for that? Even sinners love those who love them. So husbands and wives, we don't get we don't get brownie points because we 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 we, we love the pleasure of marriage, but we reject the pain of marriage. And so let's keep going. Look at the big question. Oh, here's the big question. Husbands and wives, has your wedding day been the best day you've ever seen and experienced with your spouse? I want, you to st- I, want to, I want you to think about that. Think about that. Look up here and listen to this question. Has your wedding day been the best day you've ever seen and experienced with your spouse? Your wedding day. Since your wedding, have you fulfilled, husbands and wives, and kept your part of the vows that you made to God since that day? Oh, these are questions. These are the big questions that we have plural. We have plural questions today. Look what it says. Husbands and wives, are you everything today you presented to your spouse? Are you everything today you presented to your spouse on your wedding day? And finally, it says, husbands and wives, what are you costing the marriage and suffering the marriage because you haven't matured or changed? My beloved, these are our challenge 
thoughts for the day with the learning objective, the PowerPoint wisdom key, and our big question, as I said to our first-time guests, we are a teaching and equipping church here. The challenge here is for everybody to learn, but you have to learn through teaching. And so, my beloved, as we get going today, what I want to do, we're going, we have some ground, we have a lot of ground to cover today, so I want us to really just go on and really get going in here. And listen to me, my beloved, and first-time guests. We live in a time when, a day and time when no one is committed to anything. I'm going to say it this way. We live in a time where no one is, people are not committed to jobs. People are not committed to the church. We live in a time when people are not committed to trying to, to losing weight. We live in a time when men are not committed to repaying debt. We live in a time when many in the church don't pay their tithes. We live in a time today, my beloved, where family siblings are not committed to one another. We live in that day and time, my beloved, when no one is really committed to anything. And the same could be said of marriage, my beloved. Husbands and wives, we know that there are many today that have not committed to the vows. They weren't, and that's why divorce has occurred. Why? Because when we are not committed to the wedding vows, uh, there is a certainty of an expiration date. Death. Death will occur. And listen to me now. Listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor. You know here at New Creation, we speak the truth, but we speak it in love. Some people get a little agitated by it, but it's okay. We have people today uh, uh, that are divorcing three, two, three, four, and five times. And listen to me. Singles, roughly six out of every ten kids are raised in single-parent homes for one reason and one reason alone. Divorce. Divorce. And so, my beloved, we are, we are setting up the foundation for where we're going today. My beloved ladies, listen to me. The greatest unity in the world is that of two people who, are in, who, who, who have married one another. It's the greatest unity in the world of a man, a husband and wife marrying and coming together. But Jazzy and Gabby, when a husband and wife walk away from that unity, the worst death occurs. Divorce. The greatest unity is the unity between a husband and wife. But when a husband and wife or a husband or wife decide to walk away from that unity, what you have left is an abandonment of the worst death, that of divorce. And my beloved singles, I would say to you right now, listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor, in the beginning, somebody type it in the chat, in the beginning, in the beginning, it was not so. In the beginning, God created a plan for marriage, and that plan was, my beloved, till death do us part. Till death do us part. But here's, listen to, the, listen to me, watch this now. But here's what Satan and the world have turned marriage into. Look up here. Here's what Satan and the world, my beloved, have turned till death do us part into. The culture and society we live in today has turned till death do us part into disposable marriage and musical marriages. We have now, you know, who is this judge? That's Judge Dana Cutler, the Cutlers. Well, uh, divorce court with Judge Lynn Toler. Look up here, 90-day fiancé. This is what we've turned till death do us part in, holy matrimony. And uh, Some of you love these shows. Some of you love, what's that over? Over there, love and marriage. Some of y'all love watching the show Marriage Boot Camp, Reality Stars. And then there's this one here, The Social Experience is Back, Married at First Sight. We got people that don't even know each other, and they get married. 
This, my beloved, is what we've turned till death do us part into today. The culture and society, now marriage is dis it's disposable marriage. But here's the tragedy of that. Some of this same thing is happening in church. Musical marriages, disposable marriages by so-called Christians who love the Lord and stood before God and committed marriage vows. But this is a portrait of our culture and the society that we live in today. Singles, pay attention to this. This is the culture that you're up against. 90-day fiancé. Marriage boot camp. This is what we've turned marriage into. This is what till death do us part looks like in the world. And so, my beloved, listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor as we get going today. This brings us to ensure that we need to understand, my beloved, God's plan for marriage. Married couples, listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor. I know, listen, I thought about this. We all can quote and know the scripture that says God hates divorce. Terry, Sister Francis, I thought about that. We all quote the scripture. We know it and we quote it. Yes, God hates divorce. But as I was preparing and God was speaking to me, the question came, do we really know and understand what we're saying and understand why God hates divorce? We can all quote it, but do we know why God hates divorce? My beloved, let's turn with me to the 19th chapter of Matthew, and I'm going to, we're going to read verses 3 through 9, and I want you just to follow along with me in these verses. Matthew, again, the 19th chapter, we're going to be reading from verses 3 through 9. And I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to get there, turn there again. Matthew, again, the 19th chapter, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 9. All right, follow along with me as Pastor reads. Look what it says. I'm just going to start at verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he departed from Galilee and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Verse 2 says, large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Here's where we get going. Then some of the Pharisees, the religious goons, approached him to test him, and they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Look at verse 4. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female, verse 5. And he also said, for this reason, Jesus went on to, take, to tell them, uh, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Somebody type it in the chat, one flesh. Verse 6, so they are no longer, Jesus is teaching now, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Verse 7, why then, they asked, did Moses command us to give divorce papers to send a woman, a wife, away? And here's what Jesus said in verses 8 and 9. Jesus told them, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. But it was not like that, uh, there's my word, from the beginning. Somebody again, type it in the chat, the beginning. And verse 9 says, I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and, uh, and marriage and marries another commits adultery. 
Oh, my beloved, my beloved, look at these verses. And as here's what I want us to know. I'm going to give you the background. The Pharisees, and most of you know it, it's right there. The Pharisees were asking Jesus a question designed ultimately to trap him and put him at odds with what Moses had decreed in the old law. And here was the goal. If they could make him contradict Moses, my beloved, they thought that that would expose him to be a blasphemer. That was the goal of these religious goons. And they were not asking because they were looking for a reason to divorce. They weren't even asking for that reason. Because, but because Moses had allowed divorce under the old law, what they wanted was Jesus to contradict what Moses had decreed, what Moses had said. And so what did Jesus do in these verses, my beloved? Jesus answered, Jazzy, the question not by going to the law. Jesus took them back to the beginning when God actually had instituted marriage. Jesus says, no, I know what you guys are trying to do, but I'm going to take you back to what uh, I originally put in place. And so Jesus did not defy the, what Moses had put in place. Instead, Jesus showed these goons how man had strayed away from God's original design for marriage, for holy union between a man and a woman. The same way we are doing holy matrimony till death do us part today. The same way, my beloved. And so in the beginning, listen to the Spirit of God in your past. We're talking about why we need to understand why God hates divorce. In my beloved, in the beginning, God created the institute of marriage, and it was supposed to be holy and sacred and binding. That's the way it was supposed to be till death. Till death. And I want to say to you right now, I don't know who I'm talking to, that's still God's plan. God, God doesn't change. But married couples, singles, parents, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what the church seems to be missing to take to heart that we haven't taken to heart. Why does God hate divorce so much? Why does the Holy Spirit, why did the Holy Spirit give me this title, the worst death, divorce? Call Julie, William, Melanie, listen to me. Here's why. Holy marriage is an enactment of Christ and the church. Holy matrimony, my beloved, is an enactment of Christ and the church. Listen to me. Listen to me. But when a husband and wife divorce, my beloved, what happens to that portrait? What happens to that portrait is it takes the portrait and enactment of Christ divorcing his church. Ah, is somebody starting to connect the dots? Why God hates divorce. My beloved church, listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor, and never forget what, you're getting ready, what I'm getting ready to say. God hates divorce because it's a testimony of something that Christ would never do. He would never leave divorce the church. That's why he hates divorce so much. It is never something that he would do. Christ would never walk away from the, his bride. Christ would never turn his back on the church. That's why he hates divorce. The man, the husband, is a portrait of Christ in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, the wife is a portrait of Christ. Of, of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church. And so God hates it when a husband, a Christian husband and wife get a divorce because it is an enactment as if it was something God would ever do. God would never 
God would never leave us. God would never quit on us. God would never abandon his bride, the body of Christ, his church. And so, my beloved, somebody just got a revelation. This is why God hates divorce. But I wonder if we ever really thought about it like that. That's why God hates divorce. When we divorce, it's a testimony to the world. It's a portrait of, of God leaving and divorcing his church. And God, my beloved, would never, ever do that. And so that, my beloved, is why God hates divorce. He would never walk away. And let me say this while we're here. God would never join together illicit marriages. Pastor, what are you talking about? God would never join together two men. God would never join together two women. God would never join together a Christian with a non-Christian. God would never join two non-Christians together. No, my beloved. No, my beloved. The shame of Carol Jenny. God would never violate his word. God, think about it. God would never endorse something he's commanded us not to do. He would turn around and do. He would never do that. Is anybody understanding this whole thing of the worst death is that of divorce? And now that brings us to another thing that I want to highlight here. Pastor, what about divorce and remarrying? Well, I got a divorce, but I remarried. What, what does God say about that? Well, we know we did see what God said. He told him in, in verse, what did he say in verse 9? I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Oh, we got we to address that. Spirit of God say, make sure you address that. And here's what I want to, here's what I want to have y'all thinking about as I have you turn to the fourth chapter of John, and we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17. The fourth chapter of John, and we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17. Mama Diana, here's what we need, and here's what I want everybody to be thinking about as you're turning there. Beloved, there are those who teach that Jesus has decreed that remarriage is an act of divorce, is an act of a adultery. There are those who teach that. In other words, remarriage is not acceptable to God. There are many that believe that. There are many that teach that. Your getting remarried is not acceptable to God. Beloved, and let me be clear, we've already made it clear, God hates divorce. But Tina, is divorce, here's the question, is divorce an unpardonable sin? Is divorce an unpardonable sin, my church, my beloved? In other words, does God's grace not extend if you have divorced somebody? His grace, uh, in other words, you're condemned. Does God hate remarriage? I'm wanting you guys to think about this. We're trying to address this matter just for a few minutes. And new creation here in John, here's where we're going. I want you to see something. Jesus, and y'all know, many of you know the teaching here. My beloved, Jesus had arranged an appointment with a Samaritan woman at the well. We all know the teaching here. Those of us who are, are, are familiar with our Bibles and study our Bible, we know what was going on here. Jesus had arranged a, an appointment, an encounter with the Samaritan woman because he wanted to minister to her. He wanted to 
offer her uh, 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 the salvation of the Lord. He wanted to offer her redemption. But here's where I want us to pick up with verses 15 to 17, and I want us to just note some things here. Verses 15 to 17 of, again, uh, the fourth chapter of John. Let me get over there with us. Let me get over there with us. Oh, my beloved, I hope y'all are getting this. This is some good teaching today based on what God is. God, the Holy Spirit is so good. Look at verses 15 to 17. That's where I want us to focus as we answer this question. Jesus has met her. He's had an encounter with her. He's told her all about, again, the living water. And here, as she's having this exchange with him and he's having this exchange with her, she says in verse 15, Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. And look what he said in verse 16. Jesus, dealing with wanting to redeem her, Jesus says, Go call your husband. And he told her, and come back here. Look at verse 17. She says, I don't have a husband. She answered. You have co answered correctly, Jesus said. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, for you have, you have had five husbands. And the man that you're playing house with now, you're shacking up with now, playing house with now, he's not your husband. I want to stop right there. Remember, I asked the question, is, 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 is remarriage, is divorce an unpardonable sin? Does God, uh, uh, has he decreed that remarriage is, is, can't be done anywhere in the Bible? Remarriage, uh, is it not acceptable to God? If he's not acceptable to God, many of you who have divorced and remarried, you are in trouble. If that teaching, if this is what God has decreed. But my beloved, listen to me, to the Spirit of God and your pastor. Singles, I want to tell you right now, what Jesus was doing now, if, if, if remarriage was, 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 was unpardonable and, and God didn't, couldn't, wouldn't ever honor it, then as he, why would he even set up an appointment with a woman who had been married to five men? Let's just use some common sense here. If there is condemnation to those who are in Christ, according to what the Scripture says, there is no condemnation. There is grace greater than our sins, is what the Bible says. But here again, here's what I want us to note. There's, I just want you to see this now. Singles, what Jesus was really telling this woman at the well, she would have never been married to five people if she had sought him instead of trying to find love in all the wrong places. Now, that's what he was trying to help her with here. Woo, somebody just got a revelation. Somebody put it in the chat, hallelujah. Somebody just type hallelujah in the chat. What Jesus was trying to let her know, my beloved, if you had sought me instead of trying to find love in all the wrong places through one marriage after another marriage after another marriage after another marriage. And, you know, we have people today who married, who, who married three and four times. There's something wrong with that. Make no mistake about it. But Jesus was letting her know, if you had sought the living water, <laughs> you'd, have never, you'd have never gone through all those disastrous relationships. And church, what I want us to draw from this, we've already drawn great word from it, Terry. But did anybody notice Jesus acknowledged that she had been married? That it wasn't that he didn't know. Notice the conversation. She 
She says, give me the water. And he says, go get your husband. Knowing that the, the man that she's playing house with is not her husband. So it wasn't that he didn't know she had her past. He's God. He's all-knowing, Mama Diana. But notice, he also, so he lets her know he knows that she's been married five times, which, is a, which, is a, which was a disaster. Let's not play around with that. That's a disaster. But he also told her, the man you playing house with right now, he, he, you ain't married to him either. And here, my beloved, is where we, I want us to make sure we understand. Wanda, Jesus didn't tell her she was condemned because she had been married. I'm just trying to address this whole thing that God uh, has somehow, uh, God condemns remarriage. Everybody's going to hell. Adulterers are going to hell. In other words, if you married, you know, if you got out of a marriage that, that was a disaster, you got out of a marriage of abuse, you got out of a marriage that was, that was, that if you hadn't got out of it, you might have died, uh, uh, whatever, you, 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 you're condemned. No, 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 my beloved. Notice, Jesus set the appointment up with her. He sought her to do what? Heal her from all her mistakes, all her bad choices, all her wrongdoing. And my beloved, the point is, the Samaritan woman's sin was met with grace. And unless... I don't know what I'm talking about here. My Bible tells me that there is grace greater than our sin. And there's no big sin. There's no little sin. Remarriage or getting a divorce, uh, as sad as it is, as awful as it is, doesn't mean that God is in an unpardonable sin. Don't let nobody tell you that. Her sin just happened to be that she was getting caught up in marrying over and over again. But there was something that was systemic with that. She was looking for love in the wrong places, like a lot of people. Now, people do marry, and they marry wrong. She just represents it. She represents the culture that we live in today. People marrying for the wrong reason. People marrying, uh, people get married today. This is what I'm talking about. People get married today, even in the military. There are folks who get married so that they can get extra money. People get married for all kind of dumb reasons. This woman represents how you can get married for the wrong reason. And yet, Jesus didn't condemn her. Why? Because Romans tells us there's, no, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. She's not even saved having had all these marriages, but Jesus is trying to redeem her. And we do know the end of the story, don't we, Sister Francis, that when she left from the well, as she, she came on her way to the well, she was an adulterer. She had married all these men, but when she left the well, she was, she was new. And that's why as she came, as she walked through town going to the well, everybody recognized her. There's that harlot. There's the woman who's been married. She's married over and over and over again. You do know the community knows. Everybody talks about when folk get married over and over and over again. So the community saw her going to the well. Uh, there's that tramp who's been married. She just can't keep, she can't keep her husband. They knew her that way. But when she left after having an encounter with our Savior, the Redeemer, she, as she was going back through the town, she told him, come and see a man that I met that told me everything, who changed my life. 
And so, my beloved, I'm just going to close it right there with this issue that God is against remarriage. That if you have been married and you divorced and you, you, you remarried and met the love of your life and you've been married to the person now 15, 20 years, that God does not honor that marriage. Let's cut that nonsense out. You got to know the word for yourself in context. In context. I could go further with that, but in the interest of time, I'm not going to go any further than that. Listen to the Spirit of God in your pastor. Let me say this. God expects a commitment and an honor in marriage. And let me make that clear. God does not expect believers to treat marriage like a piece of fruit that you can chew off of for a certain amount of time, and when you get tired of it, you throw it away and go get another. That God does not honor that. I want to be clear. But if you have so, if you, if you were in a, just a marriage that was just horrific, abuse, everything that God said, that, 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 that and, and here, here uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me clear this up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, pastor, I got married and I wasn't saved. Because I wasn't saved and I didn't know, can I get divorced? No! <laughs> what you got to do is get to work. You got to allow the power. See, because you stood at the altar and made those vows, now what you got to do according to knowledge is do it God's way and let God fix it because God can do everything but fail. And because you stood before him and made vows in a way that you didn't know what you were doing, he says, I'll take it and bring good out of it. All things can work together for good to those who love God according to his purpose. Somebody has got a revelation. Somebody is getting it. I'm going to get the CD myself. I'm going to buy this CD myself. This is, woo! No, no, no. You can't get divorced because you didn't know. You, now you, stay, you stay now and you hang in there. Why? Because God hates divorce. He hates divorce. And now, my beloved, the question is, God can bless and, re bless and will bless remarriage. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you. You're an adulterer and adulterers go to hell. And God does not acknowledge your marriage if you remarry. Now, some people have married and it didn't work. They put all their heart into it. It didn't work. And they decided, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not even going down that road again. I'm going to live a dedicated, consecrated life to, to my Savior. And Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Those who are not married can, can concentrate. And God has ordained some to be single, to spend your whole life single. And those that God has chosen to do that, they are at peace with God and at peace with themselves. Nobody, there's some of our singles, I know some of our single women that have been single and they know they're going to be single the rest of their life. They're not desperate. They're not running around crying. And What's wrong with me? They don't have that spirit. They don't have that spirit. They recognize because of the maturity in them, and that's where we're getting ready to go. Somebody type it in the chat, spiritual maturity. Because they had spiritual maturity about themselves, they recognize that this has been God. This is their singleness is God's calling on their life. Oh, my goodness. Now, quickly, as we get ready to wrap this thing up, Derek and Demetrius, I want to now move into moving away from dealing with that to make sure everybody has an understanding about that and why God hates divorce. Now I want us to move quickly to share with you there are some agents that facilitate death and divorce. 
There are some agents that facilitate. Somebody write that down. The agents that facilitate death and divorce in marriage. There are going to be two that we're going to talk about quickly. The first one, Paul cautions in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The first, we're not even going over there. But the first, the, uh, I'm going to show it to you in a minute. The first caution that Paul talks about when it relates to these agents that will kill your marriage, that you need to be careful of. The first one, somebody write it down, immaturity, spiritual immaturity. A lack of spiritual immaturity will destroy your marriage. It will, it's, a, it's a marriage killer. We're moving, we've moved now to the agents that will facilitate death to a marriage, death to a testimony, death to a family, death to marriage. The first one, my beloved, is immaturity, spiritual immaturity. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, my beloved, there are some marriages that end in divorce Stephen, simply because of a lack of spiritual maturity. There are many a marriages in the house of God. I ain't talking about the world. The world ain't saved. There are many a marriages, Mike, in the house of God that don't make it simply because of a lack of spiritual maturity. I want us to pay attention up here and note what Paul, see, God hates it. I had it up here and hadn't switched to it yet. And see, those are the steps that we're tracing. Now we're tracing steps. We're tracing the steps now to how we end up in divorce. We're tracing the steps now. We're going backwards and tracing the steps. How, does we, how do we get there? How do we get to divorce? We know now that God hates this. See, this is what God hates. But now... And here's what we need to understand about God's plan for marriage, about these vows, about these vows. See, marriage is supposed to mature husband and wife, and the two shall become one, and the two shall is. The closer you get to, the closer you, if you guys are both in Christ, the closer you grow in Christ, the what? You're going to mature and grow. And the Greek word for agonize uh, in the Greek is agonizo, agonizo. What it means is strenuous work, strenuous effort, and great sweat. My beloved, that's what marriage is. Marriage at times can be agonizing. It can be agonizing. But look up here. In 1 Corinthians, we're talking now about the agents that facilitate death and divorce. And the first one that we're going to deal with, one of two, is immaturity, childish behavior. Somebody type it in the chat. Childish behavior will kill your marriage. Immaturity. There's a need to grow up, husband. There's a need in your marriage. I don't know who I'm talking to, but the Spirit of the Lord knows who you are. There's a need in your marriage, wife, for you to grow up. There's a need in somebody's marriage. Stop looking at her and look at yourself. Stop looking at him and look at yourself. There's a need for you to grow up. And look what here, look what here, look at, look at 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. We're talking about this spiritual, this lack of spiritual maturity. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and, reason, and reasoned as a child. Keith and Dorothy, but when I grew up, Ebby, but when I grew up, 
Carol, but when I grew up, Wanda, but when I grew up, Boyce, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Talking about one of the agents, the footsteps when you trace your steps. How did we end up getting divorced? How did my first marriage end? You wasn't mature. You didn't grow up. Somebody didn't grow up. Somebody didn't have maturity. But now I want to give you the translation of that. I'm going to give you a translation of that. And I'm gonna, now, now, follow along with me as I, say, as I read it again, the translation of 1 Corinthians 13. When I was immature, I acted and reacted immaturely. This is, I'm giving you the translation. It says, I spoke immaturely, I thought immaturely, and I understood immaturely. This, Wanda, this is the translation. Look what it says here. But when I grew up, I stopped acting and reacting. Somebody type it in the chat. You got to stop acting and reacting. You're spiritually immature because you're always acting and reacting to things. And it's childish. But when I grew up, I stopped acting and reacting immaturely. In other words, I put away childish behavior. Oh, boy, I'm talking right now. Somebody's got to get this. Oh, as you look at the landscape of your marriage and why it's shipwrecked right now, why your first marriage didn't work. <laughs> there might have been a number of reasons, but one of them, somebody could not put away childish behavior. Somebody was always acting and reacting. And Henry, Leon, Elliot, there are some husbands and wives who act the part of maturity on the outside, but because maturity hasn't really developed on the inside, they're always acting and reacting to things. And so what does that mean? Sometimes you're acting and reacting, and the problem is not your spouse. The problem is you. Because you don't have the spiritual depth you don't have the, the spiritual maturity, and so you're always reacting and reacting to something that you shouldn't be. When I was immature, I acted and reacted immaturely. I spoke, with, I spoke silly things. I thought stupid things about my wife. I thought stupid things about my husband. But when I grew up, I stopped. I stopped. And the problem causing a lot of divorces in a lot of marriages, somebody didn't grow up. And listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor today. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you don't stop acting and reacting and put away See, notice the notice now. Notice what he's saying. It wasn't, see, it's not age that creates maturity. In other words, he's not saying when I turned 35, <laughs> I, I, I suddenly all of a sudden had a revelation that I, no, 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 no. It was the understanding that I needed to change. Because maturity is not about 40 or 50 or 60. Maturity, my beloved, is not spiritual maturity. It's not an age. It's about a recognition. It's about an acknowledgement. It's about a humility. It's about an understanding that it is a point in my life where I got to recognize I am acting and reacting to everything 
when I've got to put away pride. Oh, somebody, somebody is shouting right now. I've got to put away selfishness. I've got to put away anger. See, but you can't do any of that. You can't put any of that away as long as you are immature. You can't put none of it away. And my beloved, I'm suggesting to you that, again, what's appropriate as a child is inappropriate as an adult. <laughs> what is appropriate as a child is inappropriate when you grow up. So it's time for somebody to stop acting and reacting. See, somebody's going to have to change. Somebody type into the chat. I got to change. He's got to change. She's got to change. Somebody, uh, both a husband and wife, are going to have to do what? Change your behavior so that you can grow up. And growth is a choice. Growth is a choice. Paul's trying to help us here. This is an agent to death that leads to divorce, childish behavior, immaturity. There's a need to grow up. Somebody has got a blessing. Got just, you just, God bless you. Gave it to me to give it to you. Now, as we continue to move on, church, the second agent facilitating death and divorce is I'm getting, I'm getting ready to go close. The second agent facilitating death and divorce in marriage, my beloved, is something the Hebrew writer warned us about in the, uh, 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 in, 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 look up here. Got one more thing. Didn't even realize up here. Look up here. I got more for you on the maturity thing. See, love becomes selfish. Uh, uh, see, a need to grow up when love becomes selfish. There's a need to grow up when love becomes selfish. In other words, your needs and desires are the number one priority instead of your wife's or your spouse's needs to be the number one priority. See, there's a need to grow up when two people become grudge holders and scorekeepers. Ooh, God is so good. Holy Spirit, thank you. See, there's a need to grow up when two people hurt each other with distrust. Just back and forth. Just, they just they, they tit for tat, tit for tat. See, that's child. That's two, that's two children playing an adult game. See, there's a need to grow up when two people close their hearts. Somebody is on a collision for a divorce because you, you closed your heart. Because you, all you do is act and react. Stop it in the name of Jesus. But look up here. The second agent that leads to death and divorce is a bitter root. Notice what Hebrews 12 and 15 says here. See to it that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Oh, I love God's grace. Grace greater than our sin. We talked about that already. Tina, look up here. It says, see to it that no bitter root. Somebody type it in the chat. Somebody write it down. Bitter root. See to it. See, this is the responsibility that a husband and wife have. In marriage, there has to be both working to pay attention that they do not allow a bitter root to spring up and poison. What's another reason why we are, why we are divorcing? Bitter root. And let me show you what that looks like. Look up here. This is a tree that will grow in your head. But it's a bitter root. The bitter root of pride, insecurity, neglect, trust, abuse, 
Finances. We can't get our finances together because somebody won't grow up. Disrespect, resentment. We, 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 we cuss at each other all the time. We don't even know how to talk to each other. See, there's a liar. There's some lying in the marriage. There's deception in the marriage. There's infidelity in the marriage. There's denial in the marriage. There's hurts. There's past hurts in the marriage. There's selfishness in the marriage. Jackie John, somebody's got unforgiveness. Somebody is totally irresponsible, and that's why you're headed for divorce. Oh, my God. There's somebody, avoidance. All these are leaves on the tree that create, that start from, a, from the root and will grow in your marriage. Somebody shout hallelujah. And here's the thing that I want you to get, Jenny. Here's the thing that I want you to get all the single people. When something takes root in you, in your head, it's because you believe it. Spirit of God told you this is going to be the most important teaching that this whole series. Mike, when something takes root in your wife's head, she starts to believe it. It's because she starts to believe it, wherever she got it from. And you got to be careful who you allow in your in. See, God says your husband and wife leave and cleave. That means that we don't allow, and we talked about it last week, taught on it, intruders. You keep people out. See, see, a, a, a family member can be an intruder. Money can be an in, intruder. A sister, a brother, a cousin, a so-called friend can be an intruder. But if you let them speak into your spirit, if you let them get in your head and plant a tree, plant bitter root in your head, oh, my beloved, when something takes root in your head, it's because you believe it. That's a bitter root. That can be a bitter root. That's why you got to be careful who, who, who you, who, who. that's why you pick your friends. You don't let your friends pick you, singles, younger te teenagers. Listen to the Spirit of God and your pastor. That's why we teach you here. You don't let your friends pick you. You pick your friends. Parents, you ought to be getting this. You got to be teaching this to your sons, your daughters. You got to teach them this. You be careful who you sit around and fellowship with, who you call fellowship with. I get phone calls all the time with people calling me about members being messy, members talking trash. You stay away from folk like that. I've had to learn to stay away from people. People in the church will, they did it to Jesus. He said, they did it to me, they'll do it to you. People will drag your name in the mud. And that's why you got to be selective. And I must admit, sometimes I was not as selective as I should have been. But as a pastor, I got to keep my heart open because I'm a pastor. But when I keep it open, I make myself subject to abuse. But it's okay. God is in every place. And, my, and his eye is on me and on all of us. But when something takes root in you that somebody said, and you believe it, that thing will grow like an oak tree. Why? Because Satan will fertilize it. And so, my beloved, as I get ready to close, the Spirit of the Lord has done all the teaching today. Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so, my beloved singles, when something takes root in your head, it's because you believe it. Beloved, the leaves of bitter roots have been death to a number of marriages. But does anybody understand, again, as I close, does anybody, has anybody got it why God hates divorce. 
Beloved, as I close, I want to leave you with something that I thank God for that is coming out of the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon, my beloved. Uh, and I want to read two verses as I close. And husbands and wives, I want to call your attention to this, and I want to thank God for it. Stephen, Tracy, in these verses, Solomon and Shulamite gave me, gives us hope about marriage and what marriage, uh, what marriage is. It is about God's love. For those of you who are turning, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to get over there if you want to go to Song of Solomon, but I'm going to read it, and we're going to be done. Song of Solomon, verses 6 and 7. Giving you a second to get there. It says, verse 6 of the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7 says, Set me as a seal on your heart, as a seal on your arm. For love is strong, is as strong as death. There's that death word. But jealousy is as unrelenting as the grave. Love's flames are fiery flames, an almighty flame. And look at verse 7. A huge torrent of water cannot extinguish love. Rivers can't sweep it away. If a man were to give all his wealth for love, he would be utterly scorned. And my beloved, as I close, thank God for grace and mercy where marriage Divorce and remarriage are concerned. God's love is stronger than death. And no one who has met with a divorce, who has been divorced, you are not condemned. Remarriage, divorce and remarriage, divorce is not an unpardonable sin. And because we are under grace, the love of God and God's grace, we are never condemned. Because we remarry. God doesn't hate remarriage. He hates divorce. But in these verses, as I close, God reinstills the blessings and hope of marriage and what marriage ought to look like. And let me show you as I close. Here it is. What you need to understand. Somebody need to write it down. Love is planned. It's God's plan. See, it was God's plan. Marriage is God's plan till death do us part. Love, number two, is predestined, God's purpose. See, when we do it according to God's purpose, Jamal and Brianna, when you see you guys, are, you, we're preparing you guys, and you're understanding God, marriages, love is, is planned by God. Love is predestined by God. He has a purpose. The third thing that we need to understand, Dari, love is permanent. It says, set me as a seal. In, the, in, in, in Genesis, the word seal, it means to be cemented. It, in the Greek, it means permanent. Love is a permanent thing. We don't, see, we don't fall out of love like a lot of folks do today. Remember what I said. We love the pleasure of marriage. We don't love the pain of marriage. Number four, love in marriage is possessive. The two shall become one. We're jealous of one. See, there's a healthy jealousy in marriage. You saw the word there here in Solomon. There's a, he talked about jealousy. There's a healthy jealousy in marriage where I just want to be number one in Sharon's mind, in her heart. I want, I want to be number one. Now, it's not an ignorant jealousy. It's a healthy jealousy. She wants to be my number one. I want to be her number one. See, 
love is possessive. Look up here. Next one. Number five, love perseveres. It never fails. Didn't we? See, that's 1 Corinthians 13. That's why God hates marriage. Because why? If love is rooted, if there's maturity there, if we're being careful about the bitter root, love will not, we won't. See, th that great unity that I talked about, marriage, the husband and wife, the greatest unity, you won't walk away from a marriage. You won't walk away. Why? Because God never, love never fails. Why? God would never turn his back on us, the church, his bride. Love will persevere and find a way. And me and my wife, after all these years, 39 years together, just about, we can testify because we were committed to the vows. It's not love that will sustain a marriage. Let me say that now. I've said it a thousand times here at our church. It's commitment to love. It's commitment to persevere. Lastly, love is precious. See, when you love somebody, you never take them for granted. Oh, Solomon Shulamite, I thank God for him this morning. As I close, as I close, look up here. Christ's love swallowed up death, took the sting out of it. And what does that mean? Nothing can put out the fire of a love that a husband and wife will cultivate, will grow together, will put away childish things, We'll recognize and be careful to not allow things to just be built up in your head by family members, friends, the devil, and the like. Oh, my beloved. Has anybody found love, real love? See, when you find real love, you don't, you don't, you don't jump in and out of marriages. You won't do that. Has anybody found? Real love. The song says, when I found love. When I found love. Hallelujah. Listen to this song. When I found love. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. Some of the husbands and wives in the chat, type when I found you. Type that, when I found you. When I found Don't be embarrassed. If you can't type it in the chat, just tell him. Just tell her. When I found you. When I found you, uh -huh. found my most intimate prayer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let me hear that. When Let me hear that. Turn I that up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I found whatever Oh, yeah. When me and Shan first got married, the first five years was rocky. When I found you, We were you, both acting love. and reacting. But when we settle down, when we stop allowing when I bitter root to grow, you, I found the rest of my life. our marriage took off. When I found took off. you, I told all of here we are today. All these when years. When I found you, I saw my fears we have fly a great away unity. like a dove. I'm so thankful to God for my wife that my wife when hung I in there with me. She stuck it out. Just like Jesus would never turn his back, my wife never turned her back on me. Never quit. True love sounds crazy. She never quit. In my youth, in my ignorance, I was trying to run. But my wife held on to us. She held on for our sake. Hallelujah. When I found you, somebody 
God has spoke to your heart this morning. When I found God you, has spoke I found revelatory in your into your heart and spirit today. When I found and you, you from this day forward, you have no, no excuse. I know by the spirit of God, God saved you, the marriage today. Kept it from derailing from by the word. By the word. By the word. Somebody, you're going to have to grow up. Grow up. Got to change. Got to change. Got to change. Your wedding day can't be the best day. And here you are married now seven years. And you, your wedding day is the best day you've ever experienced with your spouse. That's a tragedy. Get rid of those bitter roots. Stop reacting and acting. Ah, yeah. I found the reason. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody, you got your help today now. You got to get to work. You got to get to work. Maybe you're married to somebody who's not a believer, but you got to get to work. You can't walk away now. Remember, you're married now. And you are representing husband, Christ. And wife, you are representing the bride, the church. Hallelujah. Oh, my beloved, what an amazing day we've had today. Started with our, again, our Sunday school hour and moved into this hour of worship and teaching. As I said in the beginning, here at New Creation Outreach Ministries, we are a teaching and equipping church. There's no preaching here. There's teaching. When you get preached that when you're not saved, you need the gospel. You need to be preached the gospel message. But once you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, then you need to be taught. Then you need to be discipled. Here at New Creation Outreach Ministries, we know what our calling is. We know the word of God. We know what it is we're to do here. We are to equip and teach. We are to help people grow up. And so I thank God for this word today. And I just, again, we always give an invitation here. We might be behind closed doors. There might be somebody sitting here, right here in Las Vegas. You have been listening. You've been watching. And you've been being fed and nurtured. And the place that you've been member with, that place has ceased to be a place of learning and discipling. And the Spirit of the Lord has said, you need to make New Creation Outreach Ministries your home. I'm going to tell you like we say it every week, go into our uh, website, incomlb.church, and go to our prayer link. Go in there and type, Pastor, the Spirit of the Lord has spoken to my heart. I'm ready to join your church. I'm ready to join your church in the midst of a pandemic. 
That's what God is able to do. Nationwide, those listening in different places who don't have a church home, go into the chat. You can come under our covering. You don't have to be in the place physically to be nurtured and fed until you find a place. You can fall under our covering, our, under the umbrella of New Creation Outreach Ministries, and we'll feed you and nurture you, even help you try to find a place where you are. But in the meantime, you need a covering. Some of you have been sowing into our ministry because you, of what you've been receiving. Thank you for that. God bless you. I ask that you continue to do that. As we help you, you help us. And so thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Take it now and we look for the fruit. We look for the testimonies. Again, go into the chat and tell us, how you, tell us how the word enabled you, what you got from today and how the word blessed you. I pray for marriages everywhere that we need to be a better testimony of representing Christ and the church, the marriage, because we represent Christ and the church. God bless you in Jesus' name. I'll see most of you or many of you. I'll see you this afternoon at 5 o'clock with chat with the pastor and as we continue to meet together every Sunday at 5 o'clock to just laugh and see one another and fellowship, pray, cry, whatever, the, whatever, whatever it is that the Lord places in our, in our hearts at the time. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next week as we conclude this series next week.